0: This is a Maybe You Like It production. To find more productions, including podcasts, radio plays, and stage plays, visit www.maybeyoulikeit.co.uk. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. I think I used to confuse Watergate and Watershed.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the whole, the Watergate scandal was because Richard Nixon said f on the radio. <laughs> Some films are mediocre, so bad they make you moan. We're here to save the cinema, we do try this at home.
0: Welcome back to Do Try This at Home, the podcast where we do try at home to rewrite movies that were mediocre. Is that what we do? I, I'm, I'm Caleb, and as always, I'm joined by the incredibly talented Harrison Gale. That's-a me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm,
1: I'm workshopping.
0: Wow. wow. Listen, well,
1: we've, we've done this like 10 times before. I've tried to workshop some, some alternate introductions
0: nice yeah no keep it fresh yeah keep it
1: funky keep it fresh that's what i'm about that's me (laughs) um how are you
0: doing harrison
1: i'm doing okay you know still the same old same old um you know covid fog the quarantine fog but yeah, feeling all yeah. right, you know, just taking it a day at a time and um, filling out my time making podcasts with you, Caleb.
0: That's what it's all about. How are you doing? I'm okay. I, uh, yeah, <laughs> similarly just hating lockdown. Um, I don't know when this will go out, but Britain is probably going to still be in lockdown. Yeah. If it comes <laughs> out like three months down the line. Honestly, so.
1: you're probably right. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: it's So, right. you know, you know how
0: it'd be. We're back for season two. Yeah, um, and uh, why don't you let the listeners on in on uh, what what we're doing for season two?
1: Sure, yeah. So we decided to take a little bit of a different approach for season two. So as you know, in season one, um, it's a bit of a grab bag hodgepodge, as it were, of films that we thought were mediocre or just plain bad, and we wanted to make better. Um, whereas in season two, we're going a little bit more organized and, uh, we've got a theme this time, which is Netflix produced films, which I'm very excited to take a dive into, especially because I think in just, you know, a couple short years, um, Netflix has not only become this production powerhouse, like they're just making and churning out content like it's nobody's business, but also I feel like, especially for films, they developed almost like this unconscious aesthetic that I can yeah. like look in a movie and it just looks and feels like a Netflix film. In a in a way that's kind of like you know when you watch a TV movie and you're like yeah I can yes. I can tell that this was made for TV but it's yeah. it's a little bit different because you're like oh well I mean it's not airing on TV and they don't have to like they can be any length because it's not television but you're like mm, yeah this feels like it was made for Netflix and I and I'm excited to figure out what exactly that is.
0: Well, that's the thing, right? Because they are of a sort of higher production quality generally speaking than a TV movie would be as well because a lot of these Netflix films these days are occupying that kind of mid-budget studio space Mm -hmm. um, which has been kind of pushed out by blockbusters and if you'll believe everything Martin Scorsese tells you by (laughs) Marvel (laughs) movies marty <laughs> um and I, so i think that yeah the, these sort of netflix originals occupy a really interesting space in the ever-changing cinematic landscape um i should I should, I should say w- when we say netflix produced we, it's netflix produced and netflix distributed so yes. like this film this particular film we're talking about today i believe wasn't produced by netflix as a studio but was bought up by the studio that made it and then put out on, on the Netflix platform. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's kind of covering it, yeah. both of those, but I think they do both fit the same sort of aesthetic, like Netflix kind of know what kind of film they're putting out and will buy mm-hmm. up those sorts of films to put out. And, yeah, I mean, part of why I felt like we should do this as well is at the beginning of this year, Netflix released a trailer to announce that they were releasing a film every week this year on their platforms. No, please. One one every single week. uh, I'm not strong enough. I I had an anxiety attack watching that trailer. It was horrible. It was like, what? How can you make that many Yeah, I can't
1: imagine that many, like, mediocre mid-budget movies in one year. As if they don't have so much content already. Because everything everything on Netflix that's like Netflix original is going to have Netflix distribution rights in perpetuity. So it's just like the the amount of content is never really going to get smaller. And it's already massive. And now they're like making a feature film for (laughs) each week that's 52 if we're, you know, just going by the year 52 <laughs> new netflix films so much and this is
0: what like netflix and amazon prime as well do like they getting to this place where like their originals take you know pride of place and then all the other stuff they have they just like they'll just put it on the platform for like six weeks and then just take it off without warning and then just put it back on like two months later and it just take, and I just for no discernible reason as well. It's just this really strange. And so the only constant is the place we're getting to is the only constant on these platforms are Netflix original um, movies and Netflix right. original um, TV shows. Yeah, they're the only things is, you can count uh, yeah. on being there. Yeah, exactly. Which is very strange. And I kind of a weird. Uh, I don't know. Like we all signed up to Netflix because we were told this was the only way we were going to be able to watch entertainment for the rest of our lives and now they've just upped the price in the UK. I don't know about the US.
1: Yeah, they they have done it here too.
0: Yeah, and uh and we're stuck with just all their like mediocre <laughs> <No>.
1: <laughs> like TV
0: movies. It's like that um, um that
1: Twilight Zone episode where this guy's like, "Oh, I wish I had all the time in the world just to read my books." And then there's like an apocalypse yeah. and he's the only survivor, but then so he goes to a library. He's like, "Oh, I can read books until i die and then he breaks his glasses <laughs> he has no <laughs> way to face them it's like i feel like that like i <laughs> like oh i have forever to watch whatever i want but then the thing yeah. that i'm left with is netflix original netflix like, originals. no the and if you don't was... like
0: netflix originals you have disney plus no yeah disney. that like owns <laughs> yeah, no. every
1: intellectual property now forever
0: yeah 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 no it's um Wow. Anyway, and I mean enough. I think I, over the course of the season, hopefully, we'll we'll drill down a bit more into what what you were saying about that sort of that feel of a Netflix movie. What does that mean? Um, but let's move on and talk about what we're doing this week, uh, which is the 2020 release, uh, Love Wedding Repeat, um, uh. which <laughs> came out in April last year. <laughs> um, it's the debut of um, <laughs> what's the director's name I can't remember his name Dean um, Craig which Dean Craig. should tell
1: you all you need to know about the well, bright yeah. future that Dean Craig <laughs> oh, wow. has in, in film production well, I, yeah
0: he's he's been a writer for a while and some of the stuff that he's done yeah it's kind of all been of a similar ilk to this to be honest like that sort of just middling yeah. mediocre stuff yeah um, <laughs> I if you're know. listening to this, um, Dean,
1: I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> the big thing about this is is the the cast who are all sort of like pretty well known, mostly British actors, most of them known for having pretty good comedic chops as well. Um, so we've got like Sam Claflin, who's been in a few movies, Olivia Munn, who is like the American in the cast, who's been in, yeah, a few different things. Frida Pinto, I don't mm-hmm. know, Tomlinson, probably best known for Poldark. Uh, but was also, I think she was in that Vincent van Gogh movie a while back. Uh, Joel Fry. I think so. Yeah. Is well known for plebs, a a British TV show, but he was also (laughs) in yesterday. (laughs) Plebs. Plebs. Do you know plebs? I don't,
1: but it's such a sweet title. (laughs) It's
0: quite good. It's a sitcom about a bunch of guys who are just like the, the lowest, uh, like working class dudes in, uh, Rome. Oh, that's (laughs) like in ancient Rome. That's so good. And, And, it's just them, like just navigating the crazy world that was ancient Rome. That's so funny. Yeah, oh, I'm into and it. then Jack Farthing, who is a Poldark alum as well. Uh, Tim, yeah, Key, this was like who... this felt
1: like a like a Poldark, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, like
1: alternate like oh uh, like wedding AU fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah, yeah. All yeah. of the actors that were in it from <laughs> Poldark. Uh,
0: Tim Tim Key, who was like Alan Partridge's awkward sidekick for many many years, mm. um, Alan Mustafa, who made people just do nothing, which is one of is probably like since The Office, I would say one of the best uses of the mockumentary format, mm. and Ashling B, who's quite a well known stand up comedian. Um, so, Queen. like, this cast of, like, just this great ensemble of a lot of comic actors who are in the process of moving from TV into film. Yeah. Then, like, fronted by Sam Claflin, who has done quite a lot of films. So, you, I, yeah, going into this, I expected a lot from that cast.
1: And I do I do think they give it their best shot, to be quite honest. I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know. All
1: right, we'll talk about
0: that. <laughs> we'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it. Um, And then the premise as well was... Uh, Promising. So I'll just read the um what do you call it? Synopsis? Summary? Yeah, synopsis. I don't know. <laughs> um, been it's been a while. It's been a while. Rusty, rusty, huh? Um, while trying to make his sister's wedding day go smoothly, Jack, played by Sam Claflin, finds himself juggling an angry ex-girlfriend, an uninvited guest with a secret, a misplaced sleep sedative, and the girl that got away in alternate versions of the same day. So there is this premise of that the, this guy uh, has shown up, who, and he said he's going to ruin the wedding because he's in love with the bride. And so uh, the bride is like, "Okay, well, we're gonna put you know, you got to put the sedative in his drink." But then some kids, some pesky kids, move all the name places around on the table, and so uh, different people in alternate different versions drink the sedative and it completely changes the day, which is a fun premise for a wedding, a kind of refreshing take on the the wedding comedy. Uh, All right. except if you say so. <laughs> I think it's a fun premise. All right. Um, except that that is not the premise this film follows whatsoever. Right, yeah, <laughs> Cause, yeah, yeah. Because we see two versions of the wedding day yeah. and that's it.
1: I was honestly kind of hoping that it was going to be like, like the double life of Veronique or like sliding doors but set at a wedding. Yeah. Which could have been yeah. neat. And and the fact that they've set up all of these permutations, I thought was its own kind of twist because usually we only see two. But that is exactly yeah. only what we saw.
0: <laughs> see uh, yeah. Play I out. had this expectation that it would be closer to like Groundhog Day. Right. Like you would have some like so the first one that we see Uh, ends with the groom uh, falling off a bridge, we assume to his death, (laughs) like quite a dark ending. Yeah, And I kind of, I love this idea that it was going to be like a Groundhog Day where like each of the different versions we see reach this like almost horrific, like quite terrifying climax. And then we rewind and see actually, what if it had been this different version? Um, Mm -hmm. Not dissimilar as well to the episode of Community where they roll the the die to see yeah. who's going to go get the pizza um and then we it creates six different alternate realities and one of those in the community episode is like the dark reality in which yeah. like loads of horrible things happened and we and and it comes up again later in the series and i kind of like this uh, the idea that in this there would be like these well it's like eight different versions potentially of people sitting there drinking the sedative because that's how many cast members there are um let's sit at that table. And I quite like, quite like this idea that it was going to be like eight different versions of the day and seven of them end in like some catastrophe. And then there's just one where things just about figure themselves out. But that's not what we saw in this film at all.
1: No, I actually, going in, I thought it was going to be more like a film that came out later called Palm Springs, which itself yeah. I honestly did not have that great of a time with. Um, it kind of... That one also fell flat for me in a couple of different ways, but I, I did like the the concept of like like we've been saying Groundhog Day at a wedding, and I do think yeah. it it does try to to make use of of this idea of like well, what if you are trapped in this place and. I think the idea of it being a wedding is like, well, it's it's a happy occasion certainly for the the couple who is getting married, but quite often it can be something that's, I don't want to say a chore, but can be a little torturous for everyone else.
0: Yeah, especially like this is an, uh, a, a location wedding, I guess not for the, the groom's family, but for all of the bride's friends Yeah. And family. <laughs> um it's in Italy so they've got to like schlep out there and like yeah. deal with the fact that they've got to be there for like a whole weekend or whatever which yeah I like that idea I think you're right it is that kind of thing of it really gives like a a situation and uh and I get I I think there was a good sense in this film if we're talking positives which you like to do early in the show sure <laughs> there was a good sense of setting I enjoyed that, oh yeah actually
1: I think it does um, make use of of being set in in Rome right
0: uh, well, it's always is not specific. Is it, I know it's in, in
1: Italy, but I don't know if it's Yeah, I don't think it's specifically
0: in Rome. in Rome, but maybe it is. But it it is certainly yeah, like just it like Italian yeah. like historic building. Um and I think yeah, it definitely makes the most of that setting. Like the whole thing looks really good, like aesthetically pleasing. And it op- like it opens with this scene by this fountain. I think yeah, maybe it must be in Rome because I think that bit is specifically in Rome. Uh, and uh playing out between uh sam claflin's character and olivia munn and it like they're about to kiss and then he gets interrupted by some old university mate which i you know what that's a joke that really played for me i think that's really funny (laughs) that's the one joke i I liked (laughs) yeah um and then and then that and then it just goes straight into three years later and we just get these sweeping like shots like aerial shots of this italian town um with like this amazing italian version of um delilah playing over at the top, which is just like I loved it, I, it, was, it was great and it's like very, just like really brings you into that setting I think and makes the most of how beautiful that setting is as well so yeah, I mean that's a positive right <laughs> something I would keep yeah I guess, I mean
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean like i, I okay i it seems that we have a disagreement on this but i personally All think right. that the cast does make the most of what they've been given the problem is what they've yeah. been given is so subpar that there's yeah a, a very low limit to what they can do with it <laughs> which is a shame because i feel like yeah. for example like somebody like sam claflin like i think I think he does. He clearly does have some comedic chops, and I think he does a yeah. really nice job as the like, you know, goofy, uh, you know, a little naive
0: kind of green. Uh, he's like a Richard guy. Curtis, yeah. Like, he, yeah,
1: he's like just like nice guy, but you know, not like I'm a nice guy, but like somebody who's like genuinely <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, and I think like yeah, you know, and I think he he does a nice job of like descending into that kind of, like, unhinged nervous breakdown
0: that yeah, one yeah. might
1: have if, you know, with all of these things happening. But I think, like, I mean, a lot of the jokes felt really tired and some, yeah. some of them were even, like, kind of gross. And, you know, yeah. and don't get me wrong, like, I'm a person who can enjoy, you know, like, a Farrelly Brothers movie just as much as the next guy – But there comes a point where it's like, well, sometimes they can be fun if they're like different or refreshing in some way. And these were just like the yeah. same like dumb, gross jokes that I've heard a hundred times before Um, that like just felt like they were stuck in there because it's time for a joke now and not because yeah. they were
0: <laughs> they were
1: motivated by anything in the situation, which is a shame because I think, you know, with all of the chaos that it sets up for itself, there's plenty mm. that could just naturally come out of that. And yet it always yeah. feels like joke time
0: yeah yeah absolutely Uh, my feelings about the cast is that I I like all of them and I think they're all great performers but um, I think not only are they given bad material but I think I've seen better performances from every single one of them in stuff that is Hmm. also not that well written but um, is obviously better directed I think there is an issue of direction here because none of the actors, none of the characters seem to know exactly what they're meant to be doing in any of the scenes. Mm-hmm. The only person giving it their all is Tim Key as the awkward uh, insurance guy. <laughs> He's like Absolute in car legend. insurance or something. And he just does he just does the stuff he does. Like that's Tim Key all over, and, and he is, is so awkward. He cannot and be so stopped. <laughs> it's, it's very he will funny.
1: always come out on top, no matter um, what.
0: <laughs> I think another big issue in terms of direction for me as well is, uh, and I said it to you just before we started, is, is the, the pace of this is just like... Oh, yeah. Like you said, it sets up all of these like... C- catastrophe is ready to happen but then we just see them play out in an ex- at like an excruciatingly slow pace
1: yeah it takes forever to get there
0: yeah and not excruciating in like an awkward way as well but in you know like just a, this is so boring yeah and i said i to felt you, like, quite I've, bored like, at multiple points throughout this film yeah yeah and i said to you like because i'd seen it before so i didn't feel too bad using the netflix 1.5 time speed function <laughs> um and and honestly it was like a film transformed i i was like, this like is wow now this is much better like i'm just that's like oh okay, yeah like there's a bit of urgency to this thing now like there's something happening right <laughs> that's the thing that's missing for me in the writing like i think you're right the jokes are tired but in the writing and in the the direction of this there's just a lack of urgency that you see in fast like this Mm -hmm. should be farcical and it just isn't and I think part of how you do that is you give us all eight of the possibilities of different people drinking the sedative you shorten the beginning the setup and and then you give us like a full hour and 10 minutes of just watching eight different versions of this same day play out with catastrophic climaxes for all of them apart from the last one where it all works itself out that to me seems like the exciting way to tell this
1: yeah i, I think i think that's the way to go
0: i mean <laughs> how we do that is uh, is another matter i i did just before we came on the call i watched the trailer again because i remember seeing the trailer and, and enjoying it mm-hmm. and i mean we live in a world where trailers are too well edited because you can make any movie look good Sure. yeah um and it's like dangerous um because this <laughs> movie looked good on uh, in the trailer lying to um, me but in two minutes and ten seconds, this trailer told me about the you know the situation with the guy who's shown up and they need to give him a sedative. It told me about the awkward ex girlfriend. It told me about the you know the one that got away three years ago. It told me about about Joel Fry's character and the stuff going on with him and he wants to get to know this film director mm-hmm. and and it told me that there was going to be potentially thousands of different versions of this story being told to me and played out on screen <laughs> uh, in two minutes. It gave me like, why, but why then in this film, does it take us 35 minutes of the runtime to get to a point where we know all of this information in order to then see it all fall apart? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? It, it feels like we, yeah. we should be able to set up quicker so that we can mm-hmm. just get into that meaty second act of just things falling apart and having fun with all of these potential catastrophes.
1: Yeah. And 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 that's strange too that you you mentioned that it promises so many different permutations of how the wedding will play out. And then it just gives us two. Like why even <laughs> why even make that promise if you're going yeah. to under deliver to the extent that it does? But yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's honestly one of the weakest structural issues in this film as you say that it takes forever to get to the part that we actually care about and to be quite honest for like for a rom-com that is just set at one event it gives us way too much backstory and just like stuff i don't care about and that doesn't come up or, or or have any importance or weight later on you know, yes. like you yeah. can you can do all this stuff as a screenwriter of like you know this background of like well okay well you know um uh, Jack um Sam Clavlin and uh, his sister Haley Eleanor Tomlinson who's the um, who's the bride um you know that they're that they're, they're brother and sister and their parents died at some point in the past. Like you can you can do all that stuff as a screenwriter so you can inform your characters and make them feel like real people. That doesn't mean that all of that needs to be in the movie. Yeah.
0: And it's just too much. We we get it mentioned early on and then they have a conversation about it towards the end, which is like a moment of slight emotional payoff, although just not done very well. Yeah. But I th- I kind of think you know like the 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 absence of their parents would be felt in the film you know it's at a wedding right it would be felt in a film anyway mm-hmm. so you wouldn't need to tell us early on you can just tell us about it later when things are going wrong yeah because we'll know like it's obvious like yeah oh yeah where are the parents they're not there like it's you, that's something you can show show don't tell like it's, it's show so don't obvious. tell and there's also like yeah just like um Joel Fry's character just like, is like I need to go get a haircut. And they're like, you'll be late to the ceremony. And then he's late to the ceremony, but he's got a haircut. And it's like, okay, great. <laughs> like, like, why cool. yeah. why did we need that? If you want to show him being a bit of a mess, a bit of a class, like the fact that he hasn't written a speech as the maid of honor right. is enough. Like we know, we get it. Like yeah
1: there's a lot of yeah. telling where there should be showing and yeah and it's it and yeah there's there's plenty of instances where we could be using using visual shorthand as yeah. as a film and you know using <laughs> using the fact that it is cinema as the medium Man. to speed Vi- <laughs> up telling the story and yet we just have you know people talking at each other for 35 yeah. minutes telling us a bunch of stuff we don't need to hear them say
0: if someone was to make a bingo card or like a drinking game for this podcast (laughs) visual shorthand Yeah, just be like that centerpiece yeah free space (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's that is what it's lacking it's lacking that it's lacking any like i already said pace and urgency to any of these scenes like surely like as a filmmaker you must know we just want to get this thing moving and so to spend like just these long pauses in every scene whilst we wait for these characters to talk to each other. I'm like, I get that they're a bit awkward and they're a bit bumbling and, but that's like, you can show that without losing pace. Like you, that's in their performance. And these are all competent enough actors to be able to bring that. I just, yeah, it's, um, (laughs) it's just frustrating. (laughs) Um, Well, (laughs) lads. Um, I also think why show the why even show the ceremony? I think you yeah. give us that cold open, and and then you give us just the beginning of the reception whilst they're all getting their drinks. They're coming out of the ceremony. Yeah, that's how you open. Three years later, they're all leaving the ceremony yeah, of this we wedding. We don't need to. Yeah,
1: I mean, I would even say, I would even say, um, I don't think you even need. The, the cold open of Jack and Dina's You're gonna take away on. the
0: one joke?
1: Yeah, <laughs> the I, one am. Joke? I am. Kill your darlings, Caleb. That's, yeah, that's know, a lesson right. you gotta learn about this town. <laughs> Kill your the, darlings. The gr- the gr-
0: <laughs> The great thing about that joke in the cold open... I mean, I'm with you, let's cut it. But the great thing about that joke in the cold open is then at the end, when they have their romantic reunion, yeah. someone comes up to, to Dina and is like, hey, oh, hey, how are you doing? Like, I can't believe I just bumped into you. And he just tells him to F off. He's just like, get, get out, out of here. Your... And it's so now, funny. Now, that is
1: character development. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, what? This is the other thing, which we'll get into as we go. But like, the... I there's like two like potential lessons to learn from this film. Mm -hmm. Like one of them is a kind of, you know, similar to like Groundhog Day, but also similar to like a a film about time, um, which is like, you know, timey-wimey and things repeating themselves and and stuff, um, which is like everything that happens in your life has happened by some great chance. And so you Mm -hmm. just have to like take it and you, you know, carpe diem, just like live it like you got to take those chances when they come. That's the one lesson. And I think that's a great lesson. That's a great like message to put in your film. The other one is Jack is a guy who cares so much about everyone around him. And he just wants everyone else to have a good day. And then his mate just pulls him aside and is just like, nah, I, I, I'm the character that's selfish. And I'm telling you, you have to be selfish, you know, individualism, baby, just like don't care about anyone else. And, uh, I don't like that. (laughs) I just like, that's a bad message. I don't think that needs to be Yeah,
1: I think, well, I think also like, it doesn't, there's a way to say that without saying that like in a more nuanced way of being like, you know, because there are plenty of people in in real life that are people pleasers and givers and they overextend themselves at the cost of of their own well-being and their own happiness when they don't need to. Um, and that yeah. could also be like a more nuanced takeaway from this film that, like, had, you know, if, if we're still using the example of like the first date that he goes on with Dina, had he, like, not been such a people pleaser that he's like, oh, like, I don't want to make my college pal or, you know, my, my, my uni pal, um, yeah. feel bad by refusing his offer to take me to the airport if he had been like you know what i'm not going to be a super duper people pleaser and i'm going to yeah. i'm going to risk him feeling bad about this dumb thing so that i can have this moment with this other person because that yeah. that is Im- important to me and special and more important than greg feeling bad <laughs> about having been refused greg. a ride to the airport like that could yeah. also be uh, i think another theme the, i guess this the trouble film, is is, but...
0: is jack just never came across as a people pleaser right. he just came across as a guy that cares about other people yeah you know <laughs> to a to a healthy extent right I would say. yeah and and so it just meant like in that scene like the way i read that scene when i watched it was just like yeah, you're not going to pass up on a free ride to the airport.
1: <laughs> Listen, uh, Jack is a normal dude, and he knows a good deal when he sees one. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> you're going to be paying, like, you know, 50, 60 euros to get that taxi out there. You hop in this car with this guy, get a ride. Like, that makes sense yeah, to Yeah, but the trade-off
1: is, like, losing who could potentially be the love of your life so i think to (laughs) me i think the trade-off is i think that's worth 50 or 60 euros (laughs) but that's just me
0: nah Nah.
1: (laughs) you're like i i need a when i see a bargain i take it
0: (laughs) yeah man you gotta
1: (laughs) yeah texting Um, dina later like i'm sorry i couldn't pass up (laughs) <laughs> this, this offer to save fifty to sixty you know euros.
0: Is. Yeah,
1: you know you're yeah, you're a war correspondent. You travel all the time. You know how it is. <laughs> and what a crazy job for her to have. Like it's fine, Man, but it's insane.
0: Yeah. No, it is, cra- it is crazy. Um, do we even ever learn what Jack does as well? Like
1: I don't get... remember. I don't know if it's, it's ever very mentioned.
0: Strange. It's very strange what information we're yeah. given about <laughs> each of these characters. I think that's the conclusion we can come to from this <laughs> section of talking about it. It's just like some characters were given a load of just random info we do not need. And then some characters were given no info when it would be quite useful to know a bit more about them. Like how how come Joel Fry is the maid of honor? I want to know about that story. Like, why is he the best friend of the sister? Because he seems like the best friend of, of, um, Sam Claflin. Of Jack. Uh, Jack. (laughs) It's, uh, it's just like, I'm (laughs) like, why is he Haley's best friend? Like that doesn't make sense to me. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just
1: like, yeah, I'm shocked that like her best friend is not, you know, like Rebecca or yeah. or even or even amanda because why else would she be at why? this wedding because this all is we it, right? all we know about her is that like let she had a bad breakup with jack yeah. and then she's just there like why why this would your thing, sister right? invite your ex girlfriend <laughs> to
0: your her wedding <laughs> And also, we get the sense there is one English-speaking table, okay? The rest are Italians. And on that table is Jack the brother, <laughs> makes sense, his ex-girlfriend who seems to have no relation to Haley whatsoever and her current boyfriend. Then uh, Dina, who very close friends of Haley that that comes across Brian uh, played by Joel Fry who is uh the the maid of honor but seems to be friends with Jack only um (laughs) and then Sydney this completely dull car insurance guy who looks like a good eight or nine years older than all the rest of them and then Rebecca played by Ashling B who just seems to have no connection to any of them like had this kind of infatuation with Brian for a long time. That's it. Like, what a random collection of, <laughs> you know, and the one. then there's obviously Mark Fisher, who who isn't actually invited. Like, what a random collection of people to invite to your wedding. Right. Like, you're like, okay, I'm only inviting eight English-speaking people, eight people from to the, my the country I wedding. grew up in. Yeah. Yeah. And these For one are the of the biggest events of my life. Yeah. It just. Meanwhile, feels my husband so gets to invite strange.
1: an entire like ballrooms worth of people. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> only inviting eight.
0: Yeah. No. It's like it's, it's like a wedding on the scale of like The Godfather. Yeah. It's, like it's a huge wedding,
1: like, and she only invites and, eight <laughs> people to celebrate this with her.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Just really weird. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's those things that make it feel like. And I, I, I've probably said this before about other films that we've talked about in the past, but it feels like the first draft of a film that nobody rewrote or looked over. Like uh, poor Dean Craig, I guess, didn't have anybody (laughs) who wanted to give him feedback or anything. (laughs) Like it seems like it seems like the draft of where you're like, okay, I'm just gonna try to get the bones of this down yeah. and then i'm gonna go back and see where the holes are and fill them in or fix them and, just and yeah just and it didn't just, didn't just was never it. yeah uh, the deadline was coming up like why am i watching this version of the movie
0: yeah 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 no a- absolutely and it's yeah i don't know again like it just feels like a shame it feels like yeah there could be something good in this i so i mean yeah let's kind of try and do something i think sure. i was gonna I don't think there's any use really in going character by character, but maybe as we go, we can just attach a little bit more of a, a reason for any of them being there.
1: Yeah. Um, I honestly think with a little, with a little uh, elbow grease, you could easily make all of these characters have a better reason to be there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, you make Amanda the maid of honor or you keep, you keep Brian as maid of honor, but Amanda, Amanda was snubbed maybe of that, and she's a bit salty about it because she's really close friends with Haley or something like that. Yeah. Because then you get like just a little bit more for her to do than just be fawning over like her ex-boyfriend um, whilst her current boyfriend <laughs> Chaz is just like... <laughs> the thing i love just totally unhinged and and he's doing exactly what he does like he just does this thing of like he's willing to make the person in the scene with him feel very very awkward and he's really good at it yeah but um but again like even then that could give him a little bit more to do because he could be like feeling that jealousy with the ex-boyfriend there but also maybe he could be like trying to be supportive of amanda and be like no you know like you don't need to be made of honor, you know. We're just here to have a good time. We're here to have fun, kind of thing. Maybe there's, you know, give give people more than one thing to do. For yeah. This movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Everybody um, just has one task.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. Exactly. Totally
1: unmotivated.
0: <laughs> um. So I think yeah, if we're cutting the cold open, we just we open straight away. Like yeah. Well, we could even open with those opening credits of like the landscape mm-hmm. and uh, and stuff and get that sense of setting. But then we just open like wedding bells going, like they're leaving the ceremony. Everyone's just like so happy that like be- that beginning of like wedding thing. That bit where like you sat through the ceremony and you got to think all of our characters won't have understood a word of it as well right. and they're just excited to get to the party bit, right? Right. Um I think that's such a good way to just like open with energy mm-hmm. and and with like some purpose. And so we just have that like moment of the wedding ceremony's over and it's just the beginning of the reception and we're introduced to all of our characters as they as they arrive at the reception to get drinks and get started with the party bit. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea that they all sort of fall into uh, that group pretty quickly like Mm -hmm. it takes a long time for them all to come together and sit down and i kind of like the idea that they're all like oh you're on the english table oh you're on the english table and we're getting to see their dynamic and their interactions as characters immediately we get to get we get a sense of the whole group right together before we pull them all apart again
1: yeah because honestly and, and i think you're so right about this that you you can tell a lot about a person based on how they interact with other kinds of people yeah And that can tell you so much that we can learn so much about these characters that we're about to spend 100 minutes with um, based off of their interactions with each other because they all are, I think, pretty different. Um, So rather than just, like, isolating them and not really giving them anything to do for the first 35 minutes aside from, like, have these innocuous conversations that aren't, like, aren't important... Or don't give us a lot of information. Why not toss them all together right at the beginning yeah. and see what what each of them do? And if you're if you're at a if you're at a foreign wedding, you're at a destination wedding where, again, like you said, the ceremony has all been in a language you don't know, and everybody around you is speaking a language you don't know. If it were me. I would be looking for people who I who speak my language right away. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like absolutely. that you already have a motivation there of like, you know, everybody's getting together, oh thank goodness like I found somebody else that I can I can chat with, you know, like ah yeah. you know, did yeah. you pick up anything from that? Ceremony? No, I don't speak Italian. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, oh, thank goodness I have somebody to chat with, you know, everybody. Yeah, yeah, and you, and at that point in time, you're not thinking ahead of like, what if this person is, is miserable? Like what rotten luck? You're just like, ah, it doesn't matter right now. I'm just happy to have somebody to talk to. Um, yeah, and and you try to make small talk because you're gonna have to spend the next couple hours with with these people because who else are you gonna talk to?
0: Yeah, yeah, and and this is the thing as well. Like the moment you 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 put these people together you just need one of them who's an outsider dina for example mm-hmm. who doesn't know them all to just ask how they all know haley yeah. and, and you immediately are bringing an exposition in a natural way like that's an organic conversation to have at a wedding yeah. um and you can have haley bringing them over introducing them all to each other like that's a way to get get to know her as a character as well pretty quickly yeah. you can have you know a few of them who know each other assemble pretty quickly. And then a couple more like sort of just like drip fed in, in that opening scene. Mm -hmm. Like I kind of envisage it as like this sort of like pretty big, like maybe even like a 10 minute opening like sequence of them just all like thrown in together immediately um, at the beginning of this reception before we move on to them being sat down um, and you can get the sense as well. Like you can have like moments where Jack, maybe Jack spots Dina before she comes over to them and he's going to go and approach her. And then Haley catches her first and throws her into the group before he can have a private conversation right. with her. You know, there's just ways of like bringing that dynamic and uh, bringing that sense of like how they all play off of each other. Whilst also introducing where some of the the you know the hopes of these characters of where they want to get to by the end of this wedding, yeah, because I think like you say, a, a, weddings can be awkward and 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 a chore, but weddings can also be like I think people build up an expectation of what mm-hmm. they could get out of a wedding and and what like you know wh- how they're going to enjoy that time. Maybe it's yeah. that they're going to catch up with people they haven't seen in a long time. Maybe it's that they're, they're excited to get to know new people. I don't know, but it's like. There's, yeah, yeah, there's, that, that there's
1: usually, yeah, I think a, a kind of this mix of apprehension and hopefulness that people yeah. have when they are, you know, when they're going to a wedding. And I really like this idea of all of them, like being thrown together and, and Dina, you know, being introduced to all of them, because then there comes the point where... You know, it's sort of like this half introduction from Jack. Like, what do you do? Like, you're seeing this person yeah. that you haven't seen in a couple of years, but like, you went on a date and you don't really know. Like, neither of you know what you are to each other. Like, that's that's a moment of really natural um, and very human vulnerability and awkwardness. Like, by the time yes. it gets to Jack, he's thinking, like, what is like, what am I gonna say? What is she gonna say? Yeah.
0: You know, and we and we won't have been told four times how awkward it's going to be before it happens. Right? We'll just sh- we'll just see how awkward that right. moment is. Like, just let me and let we, me um, see it and feel it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. So I mean, I, I, I'm seeing this is like an opening, like maybe yeah, quite a long scene as well. Like that sense of like, I mean, this is how people used to write movies. Like you get this long scene of exposition where we introduce all the characters, almost more like a play than a film in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's actually really exciting. And if you can get this sense of who the characters are and just really ground them in that, it you can kind of like use this as a, as a, a, a moment of bringing all of that backstory that you as the writer know, and you as the writer are excited about, but without having to just explore it one by one, you right. can just see it yeah happening <laughs> just show it to us um, please just, just show it come on <laughs> then then i think you know within 15 or 20 minutes we could be getting them sat down at this table well maybe just before that we need mark fisher to arrive um Uh-oh. and jack to be pulled pulled aside and we chuck that in the mix and that one that's a moment to be able to say okay you've got your introduction to the characters now here's the obstacle for our protagonist jack um and then we get them down at that table as quickly as we can and we get started Mm -hmm. with these eight different versions of the day right and i think that that i mean yeah it's so simple to just it's like there's there's lots of complications to set up like potential complications but you can do all of them apart from the mark fisher arrival in one scene all together and then that one is good to have it as its own separate thing because it's its own challenge for our protagonist. Right. And then that's it, right? And then we're we're going.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, and then you can get to the part that people care about. Cause yeah. because I think in, in sort of in, in, in that sense, Mark is is like the main antagonist because he his presence is what sets all of this chaos in, into motion. Like we wouldn't yeah. we wouldn't be having a crazy uh chaotic wedding if not for his arrival and so you can give yeah. him his own thing i also will make one edit um like yeah. why why like why make him a drug addict like it seems like yeah. his <laughs> like his one flaw seems to be that he has a drug problem as if that's like yeah. a moral failing of his and it just yeah. like it yeah. like it doesn't like I I want to see like like Mark being the quintessential like ex-boyfriend that you can't believe you went out with but then there's something yeah. about them that you're like okay maybe I can see how she might have you know well I mean and then that's the thing too like I I'm I'm you know he starts having like oh like we're old school chums And then, you know, Haley in her past has a a lapse of judgment and sleeps with him three weeks before the wedding. Like, what? I feel like, why not have them just, like, having been dating normally (laughs) at some point, and then Haley breaks up with him? Like, why make him this, he doesn't, like, because already you've got other characters who are not, They're not super crazy. Like, they each have an element about them that's pretty grounded in reality, and it seems like that's the aesthetic approach that this film is taking. It's not, like, full-on farce where nobody feels like a real person, but it's fine because that's the style. It's like, there's a couple of characters that feel totally unhinged, mixed in (laughs) with everybody else who's, like, you know, could be a real person. So why not, why not make Mark more of a real person where, and which is, and he has a built in motivation, you know, Haley Mm. is his ex-girlfriend that, you know, dumped him uh, and he feels entitled and he thinks that they still have something and he's like a little bit delusional that he thinks that they can still get back together and just like make him kind of like like, a jerk that maybe has an element of charm so you can understand why they might have been dating in the first place, rather than just having him be this, like, totally, completely delusional maniac who also has a drug problem on top of all that, who's like, I'm gonna suddenly show up and then, like, have a totally out-of-left-field affair that they have, for like one yeah. day, three weeks before the wedding, it like if you're going for a more and, realist yeah. aesthetic, then you gotta then you've got you've got to tone down the craziness a little bit and, where you don't need yeah. it. And,
0: and if he's this like you know charming but like entitled ex, that lapse of judgment a few weeks before the wedding makes more sense. Yeah. Um, but also, even if you didn't want to include that, there's another way of making it. You know, maybe even like the reason she broke up with him is because like she had started seeing her current partner mm. before they broke up or something like that because she'd moved to Italy or something, you know, there's other ways of bringing it in. And he's like, I understand he kind of needs to have like a secret about Haley that he can reveal. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, make it make sense. Make it make a, sense. As a secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah.
1: And I think it's, it, it's a, he's a character that just sort of tilts it toward like, disorganized chaos that isn't really satisfying yeah. to watch and you're just like oh yeah. like why is this guy here and you're just annoyed with yeah. him the whole time instead of enjoying seeing how he complicates things I'm just like yeah, this maniac yeah. I just wish he wasn't here
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and the, and the character that um Jack farthing plays in Poldoc is like a, a villain but he's uh the reason we like him as a villain in that. We enjoy him as a villain is because he is like clean cut mm. and like he's very good at making everyone think he's got the best intentions for them. Yeah. Um. When actually he's an awful human being. And there are people I, like that. Yeah. Like
1: why not yeah, make yeah, Mark absolutely. this kind of person? Yeah. yeah Sorry I to think, typecast you, Jack
0: Farthing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. it works. Um. It works, man. It works. If it works, it works. Um. Yeah. Okay. So th- the the basic, I guess, the basic beats of like what happens is whoever gets the sedative begins to fall asleep. Mark claims he's going to ruin the wedding. Uh, uh, Brian forgets that he's got to do a speech um, and is trying to impress a, a movie director. Dina at some point gets called away on a, on her work thing. Amanda and Chaz realize that they're not right for each other. Sydney learns how to, you know, approach new people and get to know new people, specifically women in this, but I think we could change that. And... Um, And Rebecca uh, sort of gets to tell Brian how she feels about him. These are all like beats of a story to put in, right? Right. But just depending on who's falling asleep, they can't be present in any of those beats. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, and this is the thing as well is in the version we see the, the final one is Jack is falling asleep. He's the one that took the sedative. And the whole time he's like trying to stay awake. I kind of like the idea that like whoever takes the sedative is just out for the count. That's it.
1: Yeah. Like they're just conked out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it makes it less complicated.
0: It does make it less complicated. And it means that of these like beats of all of these characters and lessons that they might need to learn, there's like a very specific, like, so, you know, if if they're asleep, they can't learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. I guess it's about, there's a couple things to decide there. I guess it's about like who, who needs to be asleep for everything to work out. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, who can we lose? I guess, I guess I I was going to say maybe Mark, but also like, I kind of like the idea that it's not him because uh, if he's the one that's asleep, then in the end, the idea of roofing someone at a wedding is the solution to everything? If that makes yeah, sense, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not a good lesson to come away from from it with. Yeah,
1: I'm even thinking. Well, well, first of all, I I agree that if whoever's taking the sedative should just be out because it's, yeah. instead of having to see a hundred times the same damn joke of like somebody trying to stay awake when they can't. And they're yeah. trying to pretend that they're away. I don't need to see that joke a hundred times. I don't even I can see that joke zero times and I'll be happy. <laughs> um so <laughs> yeah, let's just yeah. let's just make it that they're just they're out cold.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't even think like, I don't know, maybe it's Maybe it's the the director Vitelli, and then who does Ryan have to impress? And he's like looking yeah. for this guy, and he can't find him, and so he can focus on the more important things in life.
0: And another thought is maybe uh, there's a version of this. So we see these eight alternate versions, and they all end in chaos, right? And then there's a version where just before they go in, Jack refuses to use the mm. sedative and says, "No, no, no, we're gonna figure this out, yeah, like adults, like human beings." <laughs> And like that's the one people. where Yeah, right. And that's the one where it all works out because yeah. they can all learn the lessons they were meant to learn.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, maybe that, yeah. Okay. I think
1: that's the way. I mean, you
0: know. I, to be honest, like, I don't want to get into each different timeline of how it works because I think we could be here forever. Yeah, <laughs> um, take too and and also it kind of explains itself. You've got those sure. different lessons to be learned, ways that characters can grow and evolve. And then just each time we see it play out, we see it play out slightly differently and whoever is is asleep affects it but also we don't need to see every single one of those beats every single time so like if you know if like i don't know dina is the one that's asleep it's okay jack is entirely focused on just fixing everything that's going wrong around him and we see the kind of farce of of the whole thing if brian's the one that's asleep then we don't need the maid of of honest stuff, right? And we don't need to, him trying to do a speech. We don't need the director stuff. Like that's all just cut, right? And we just get on asleep. with like the solving the mark problem. And I guess for me, the the way that this could really work is each different version we see, we see how Jack solves a different one of each of the problems that are going on around him. Mm-hmm. And then in that final version where he doesn't use the sedative it's almost as if, like, he's learned how to solve all the problems, even though it wasn't him that did that, if that makes sense. right? Like, we, the audience, have seen him solve all of those problems separately. Mm -hmm. So now that the sedative isn't in play, we watch him, like, we can do a, a, you know, using visual shorthands, um, we can see him solve all of those problems and get the girl at the end. And there's something satisfying about that, I guess.
1: Right. Yeah. I think... (laughs) no i mean you said it <laughs> you really said it um yeah yeah i think um yeah i definitely agree that like part of the problem of the way it is now that even in like the two the two full versions that we get like we gotta see the yeah. same thing over and over again um which is is boring and we don't need it and yeah it's just like for for each of these like you know eight versions of of the story, like just just give us the most interesting parts of it you know yeah like even like some of them could even be you know extremely short like just give us the the basic things that like we need to know or like you know maybe in the foreground um for example i don't know foreground like things are going great for sydney finally being able to yeah. talk to people and then you know you just see some something chaotic happening in the background You know, so you know that like this can't be the right timeline because
0: (laughs) things are working out for him, but for
1: no one else. So that that could be a
0: really interesting way of doing it as well is not only do we shift who is, uh, you know, out cold, but we, I guess we always have Jack as a central perspective, but maybe we shift perspective on every single one so like okay this one Chaz is out cold but we're going to focus on sydney and Mm -hmm. see his story play out this one you know mark is out cold but we're focusing on brian and you know and so on um i'm not going to read every yeah every possible (laughs) combination um but yeah and and so maybe even like we get jack as a protagonist at the beginning we know he's the protagonist and we still see the lessons he learns through each of these different versions um but through the perspective of whoever it's working out for that time around right so the time it works out for sydney we see the wedding through sydney's eyes we see jack help him gain confidence learn to listen to people learn to be less dull and <laughs> um, and we see things working out for him but then yeah like you say in the background another catastrophe happens and we see that that's one that jack couldn't solve because of because the person who was who was out cold wasn't in this position to stop that from happening or whatever. right? And so we different perspective each time. And then the final one, we just followed Jack and we see him solve all of these problems again, that we've seen him in the background solving. And then we also get to see that like re- reunion of him and Dina and see it all work out. And yeah, you know, yeah, it's I, all good. Yeah. I
1: got you. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and you that, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that like, you know, um, Jack, in each scenario, might be able to solve some problems, but because one yeah. person is unconscious unconscious um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a, the English language um, he, he because someone is out cold, you know, he can't solve yeah. all of the problems until you know, he makes the decision to to say, you know, I'm not going to do this. Uh, And, you know, as you say, like, we're going to solve this problem like adults. I'm not going to roofie anybody and we will figure (laughs) out how to make this work and how to solve this problem. And it's only until that point where nobody is unconscious that yeah. um that everything works out for for everybody.
0: <laughs> I just it's just making me think of um in arrested development jobs forget me knots. Oh my god. <laughs> where he's just he just roofies <laughs> people. Yeah. It's just a, a really key scene where like he discovers that this um this guy who's like been like this peripheral um, character who's like a high school bully of um, George Michael. Uh, mm. It turns out he's Job's son, and he's like <laughs> this guy's like <laughs> to Job. He's like, I'll never forget this dad, and then Job just goes, "I will, son. I will," and then I just will. takes a roofies, <laughs> roofies himself.
1: I will, son. I will. <laughs>
0: um yeah I'll no I, sorry that's so, <laughs> that's so irrelevant. but no yeah, we'll I think see if that makes that it thing. into and the final cut uh, of <laughs> this. and it and it fits that idea coming back to that that idea of theme and message it fits that idea that 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 the the real lesson to be learned is that we take the chances that are presented to us yeah and and it's the it's the the scenario in which Jack says I'm not gonna take any shortcuts I'm just gonna take the chances that are given to me right that he is able to figure everything out and get the girl and be happy and you know it all works out Mm rom-com all done (laughs) yeah say
1: no more (laughs)
0: say no more well maybe we do need to say no more i'm feeling pretty good about this yeah
1: i think that's pretty solid and i think like again with these like little changes that we've made about the characters relationships to each other
0: um do we ever
1: figure out like how how we can connect sydney to Haley? like why is this guy there yeah
0: i mean i'm thinking maybe he could be like a university friend or something and but like just one of the ones that stayed in touch Mm -hmm. um or maybe even like we're not told why she was in Italy. Maybe even she did a year abroad, and he was also the guy that did the year abroad or something. But then he's just she's gone off and like lived this incred- incredible like Italian life. Yeah, and he's just gone back and become a car insurance guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: I like that. That means you know just something, some and literally anything. Just give me anything, a crumb of context yeah. with this guy. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And like um, Rebecca as well, we didn't really do it. Yeah. If, we, if we were, if we were, again, if we were doing like Amanda is as, as like a snobbed uh, bridesmaid, maybe Rebecca could be as well. Um, yeah. And Brian's the maid of honour, but Rebecca is supportive of Brian being the maid of honour because she's like, no, I like Brian. Right. He's, you know, that's good. Um, and, that's another way of just attaching all of these people to the actual characters in the film. Yeah,
1: and just like um, a little sum here and there to tell us that, like, for example, Rebecca and Amanda are friends with Haley and they're not just two randos at this wedding.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That are tangentially yeah, yeah.
1: related and to these
0: other characters. You know, I think you would get so much of that from, from that opening scene in which Haley's right. like introducing them all to each other. But I think you'd also get that from like when they first, when they sit down at the table, you know, like we could even introduce a scene into each scenario where, you know, when like the bride and groom go around the whole reception mm-hmm. and they go to each table and say, hi, and how's it going and stuff like that. Like that's a great scene to put halfway through each of these scenarios where the bride and groom are coming around and they, and it's just the moment that Haley gets to see what chaos has been caused from before the like, you know, climax of it. Um, what chaos has been caused from this particular iteration. Right. Um, because she comes to the table this person's asleep these people are missing like and this is the person she ends up speaking to and that's how you can get that sense of relationship as well mm-hmm. w- between Haley and these characters cool man yeah. we did it again we, wow
1: look at us and, and, have, and we wrapped it up uh, in, in less time than we when we usually do
0: <laughs> yeah this is part of the reason I said we're not going to go into each different time well life. yeah I, just, well, I guess I we could have we done 50 that and I, I was Like, like, um, like
1: nah. yeah better cut it <laughs>
0: But I think you don't need to because I think in some ways you just work out what that perfect version is. Sure. uh, Which we kind of talked about in like we know what each of these Mm -hmm. characters needs to learn and wants out of this wedding and we give them that in the perfect version of events and you just work your way backwards. Okay, what catastrophe comes from this not working Mm -hmm. out? What catastrophe comes from this not working out? And yeah, I think that that you know that all just fits into place it's a puzzle really isn't it and and it all fits into place like
1: yeah and i but i i'm i'm glad you described it as a puzzle because i think screenwriting is in many ways like trying to solve a puzzle that you give yourself a structure yeah. and then you have to figure out how are all of these pieces going to fit together and especially a film like this where it's an ensemble film you know, as a comedy that is sort of based around um this idea of cause and effect, um yeah, you know it is it is very puzzle like, and and I think a key part of these getting any sense of satisfaction at watching this kind of film is making those puzzle pieces fit together in in a clever and satisfying way, um and and mm. this sort of this game of seeing like well what happens when the pieces don't fit as a as a metaphor for what's happening to the characters in the film but if if the puzzle of the structure of the screenplay itself doesn't fit um then it's not going to be satisfying to watch and it's just going to be tedious and feel like a mess
0: because because a film like this is revealing to the audience the tricks that a screenwriter uses to solve that puzzle yeah because it show, it's showing us what happens when the when the pieces don't fit together but if the if in the end the pieces still don't fit together then yeah. <laughs> you've revealed your trick but also not been able to pull it off right um which yeah it doesn't work yeah i did have a question actually about music mm. um because th- this soundtrack is a slightly strange one i mean i mentioned up top like that um, italian version of delilah which is just yeah. I, I i love it and it it just sets such a tone but like after that the music is these very generic choices of classical music. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. use like a score written by anyone, but it just pulls together like lots and lots of different classical pieces. Some very obvious choices as well. Like um, it uses, I believe it uses Claire de Lune towards the end of both of the different timelines, which I mean, I love that piece of music uh, best used in the end of Oceans 11 so yeah
1: absolutely absolute um, no one's ever going to do any better than that yeah yeah that but
0: I, I wonder i wonder you know do you want to wh- is there a particular film composer that you would bring in to write an original score, or do you like the idea that it's this amalgamation of different classical pieces and italian pieces that you could bring together into this score that is borrowing from these recognizable tunes um, and using them effectively to show moments of chaos and moments of serenity within the sort of farcical structure
1: yeah that's a great question i honestly think that um this film would be one that would benefit from like not necessarily having a score or, or using so much classical music but rather you know playing around with Pop music. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, there, sure, there are plenty of like, you know, Italian, um, translations or covers of, you know, pop songs that we know, but like, why not throw in some like funky Italian pop? Because they have excellent yeah. pop music.
0: Oh, I, I mean, I w- and I would love to do both. Yeah. This film.
1: Do both. Um, um,
0: um, which is similar to what Taika Watiti did with Jojo Rabbit, mm-hmm. where he used these German translations of like the Beatles and things like that. Um, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Sorry. Carry on. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and just sort of like playing on this idea of like, well, it's something familiar, but maybe not exactly what you think, you know, um, because yeah. we've, we've seen plenty of, um, rom-coms and, you know, weddings gone, gone bad, um, type films, but, you know, this, this one has its unique, um, uh, or at least un- unique for this genre and setting, um, motif or even gimmick of like these multiple storylines. So why not yeah. why not reflect that in the soundtrack and you know do this mix of like you know Italian pop and Italian covers of songs that that we know and even like because it's it's this you know setting that's supposed to be where everything goes perfect and right and yet there's so much chaos happening you know why not mm. like use that kind of pop music to um, be a counterpoint to what's happening. That, like, you know, in yeah. the song, like, everything's great and going awesome and everybody's having a good time. And then, you know, meanwhile on screen, we're just seeing everything fall apart. Um, uh, and it
0: reminds us how fun it is to watch it all fall apart right. as well.
1: That there is kind of yeah. a, a fun and, and a joy and, and satisfaction in, in seeing things fall apart as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's time for this opportunity. With that.
0: Yeah, and, and I definitely think as well in the choices that were made, you also had moments where there was music being played diegetically by a, a small string ensemble. Yeah, And I think it created confusion because the music that was being played in the score was too similar to the diegetic music. Yeah, um, I would say you could still keep some classical in the score using that band mm-hmm. or just cut the diegetic music altogether right. and it's all just soundtrack. And I I would think I would prefer that. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, like, uh, like I said, it just reminds us that this is, this is upbeat Mm -hmm. and fun and, and goofy. And, you know, I, I just imagining like the scene with like the, the cake is destroyed, the groom runs out and falls off this balcony and we get that like cut. If you had that with like, just a really like upbeat, fun Italian pop song, and then you get that cut. There's just like so much more to offer in, in all of the action when you use the correct Soundtrack, yeah, to, to compliment it absolutely. Yeah. Bro, I'm glad I brought that up. That, yeah, was fruitful. good point. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it again. Um, we did it again, though. We did we it did it season again, season two, baby. We're kicking off here. up and running, yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe, um, last season we would do this little <laughs> segment oh where God. we would talk about whether we would make this, but it didn't work because we're both people that would just make anything, right? <laughs> um, so we're here's too a, desperate, maybe. Maybe a new segment we could do this season is uh, just returning to that that central question we talked about up top of like, what makes this a Netflix original? Yeah. And how could we make this better than a Netflix original, if that makes sense? Mm,
1: yeah. I mm, I still don't really... I don't know if I know the answer <laughs> to that question.
0: Ah. Yeah. I I mean... I guess for me I think a lot of Netflix original films uh, because they're either stuff that like has been f- like paid for by a small number of investors or a small production company and then bought out by Netflix or alternatively they're just being churned out in the Netflix machine they often have this feel of being a first draft yeah and I think just that rewriting and rewriting and rewriting would just elevate this beyond that feeling
1: yeah. I I mean I don't know. I mean and then I guess too like um cause I, I'm I'm in total agreement with you on that in terms of of the writing and the structure and that it does feel half baked and that a lot of these films um distributed by Netflix do. I think also and this is something that we've talked about not too much in depth in previous episodes but a little bit. Um that visually it feels mm like it doesn't have a distinct aesthetic and not that you know nothing yeah. you know not not that every movie has to be you know uh as distinct as like Quentin Tarantino or, you know, or, or something like that. Like, it's, it's a, that doesn't necessarily mean super stylized, but they all have, and I think yeah. it's a similar problem with the Marvel movies and like, co- like color grading. Like, it all looks the yeah. same. And it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't use, um, its advantage of being a film and being cinema to, um, use any of these elements of, of color or composition, um, yeah, to make it Distinct to or, or to assist in telling this story, and it feels like no thought at all has been put into any sort of stylization. And it can have like a yeah. it can have a realist or naturalist aesthetic, but it feels like all of that is an afterthought.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels like it's shot in just the simplest way to show what's happening, right? But that's not necessarily the most interesting. I mean, I think we talked about like that. It is this gorgeous setting. I wonder whether just a inject some thought into that obviously i think it would require far more thought and you play with this stuff like on location Mm -hmm. on the day but to shoot this if you were shooting like the early scenes before the chaos begins in lots of like close-up shots of the characters so we get to know them but then lots of these like medium and wide shots to really get a sense of this beautiful setting and like relatively static to just get a sense of like this look like just gorgeous Italian surrounding. And then once we get into the like actual meat of it and we get into these like chaotic different timelines, that's when you just, then you just go handheld for for most of the rest of the film. And we get these like quick, like, uh, you know, quick spins of the camera, like, um, the kind of stuff you would see in like a Scorsese film, right? Right. Like, that, that, that like just quick reveal of action. And they're like super zooms, like across the room. Like we're like, we're with Jack and then boom, like we're looking over the other side of the room and this is going on with Chaz and Amanda. And then bam, we're back over with Jack and he's talking to Haley and you're using the camera to give, give, bring the energy with the camera right. in this like handheld way. But then also like you're imbuing like character into this action as well. And you're, like you're, you're, you're giving like chaos with the way that you're shooting it. And so wow. I think that could be a fun way of of like counterpoint to this like beautiful setting that you set up early on with like a visual um, tell that shows us how everything is going mm-hmm. wrong.
1: Yeah and, ju- yeah, and like just using the camera to do something, anything – like, think it, and thinking about, like, how are you going to tell this story that you've written? Because, you know, we, we yeah. do tend to talk a lot about screenplay and the writing. Because yeah. that's usually, I, you know, and I I truly believe, like, if you have a weak screenplay, there's no amount of, um you know, directorial uh, choices that's going to save mm. it. Like, it's, you know, I think it's very difficult to elevate a film to something better if the screenplay is weak and i think so so you know we usually spend quite a a lot of time and most of our time discussing those structural issues or those screenplay issues but i think once you've got a screenplay that is pretty solid and is telling the story you want to tell then the other half of the battle is thinking well how are you going to tell the story and it seems that with so many of these films and i think which is part of the the netflix um problem is that that element always feels like an afterthought and there's and and it's a shame because there are so many possibilities you know like you're saying of like imbuing the camera with this sense of chaos to contrast it with this beautiful gorgeous serene setting that they're in and with the idea of the wedding that it is supposed to be this joyous occasion yet it's contrasted with yeah. this utter chaos that's happening in these different permutations of how the story is playing out you know and toying around with things like you know uh, rack focus and you know there's just so many different things that you can do with with a camera and composition that it seems that nobody is putting any thought into, which is a shame because I think, you know, that's the difference between, you know, just an enjoyable movie with a solid screenplay and yeah. uh, you know, and something that becomes really engaging and special. It's when those two yeah. sides go above and beyond. When you have this really solid, tight screenplay that is engaging to watch play out, and then it's accompanied by Um, a a clever or thoughtful use of the film medium as a visual medium to elevate Mm. the great thing that you've written.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you say, those two things so often go hand in hand. Anyway, well, nice one. We did well. I think that that does get get to a little bit of why this is a Netflix original movie. This would not have done well in the cinemas. I mean, you know, it came out in April 2020. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: (laughs) If it had been in, in cinemas, I think... I think it would have flopped.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't
1: even, like, what is it considered? Like, is this considered a flop? Like, I don't know. I honestly don't know how they make money on this kind of movie. (laughs) Or distribution model.
0: (laughs) They do it on user views, right? Because the, the, the idea is if lots of people watch it, then that that's the reason they're engaging with the platform yeah. but Netflix don't don't publish their user reviews um and for some reason they don't have to like which, yeah I don't know I guess that makes sense but it seems kind of crazy to me they only publish user reviews when they go really well so the fact that we haven't heard Netflix raving about love wedding repeat um is quite telling yeah um, which is
1: I, I think quite unfair as well because um you know uh, well I mean COVID is kind of complicated all of these things and i don't know how they're going to look on the other side but at least before covid you know theaters or, or, or films that are distributed in theaters um uh you know by you know these big distribution companies they they all have reports on you know how how much money the the film makes or how many people go to see it which i suppose is different from you know how many people are streaming a movie because you know you're you're paying monthly for a subscription to netflix so it's a different it's a different model but you know at least at least netflix could tell us you know how how many people are watching it and and it to me i think it is unfair in terms of um, how people conceptualize of how well a movie is doing because anything that's in theaters, yeah. well, they're going to report to you the the box office returns. But Netflix yeah. never has to deal with the consequences of a movie publicly, you know, not getting a lot of engagement because they don't have to tell anyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it just
1: makes it look it, it it gives you this false impression that oh well, what they produce is always great because well, I've never heard anything doing badly.
0: And and if it does badly, they can bury it in the algorithm, like. right? You know, th- this when it first came out was being put on my front page every day. I open Netflix for the first week it was out, yeah. and now even if I went into like into rom com into British ro- ro- rom coms, I th- still don't think it would be in that top <laughs> list of like movies Netflix is like, suggesting to me. Like this TV, movie right? doesn't
1: exist; it never exists. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but this is the terrifying thing about the the sort of streaming. Um, well, I say the terror is you know it's all fine, really. Yeah, <laughs> but, <It's> just a <laughs> like, unintended we're all gonna be okay. consequence. But, but it, it is that that control that Netflix has that other film distributors would not be able to have yeah. um, which is, yeah, strange. Um, anyway, cool man. we, did we really did that we'll do it again next week, I guess.
1: <laughs> I suppose. well, um,
0: we're gonna try have guests this season as well. Yeah a bit more. so we'll see how that goes. Um, we, we enjoyed having Rob last season, so we're gonna do a bit more guesting um
1: yeah do we want to say what's what's coming next week because now we've planned them oh, all we, out we, we can, can do that now because we've
0: actually planned yeah our season ahead. we're learning um it does mean we won't be able to change order but i don't think we need to
1: no i point. think those next so, couple ones are fine at least
0: yes <laughs> <laughs> so we're doing netflix original as a, as a, a basic idea but we're still going to try and Get stuff from all different genres. Yeah. Uh, so next week is the Michael Bay. Is it him directing or just produced by him? Um, I'm uh, um, not sure. Anyway, but it is the the Michael Bay production, Six Underground. Oh yeah. An an action movie starring <laughs> is it Ryan Reynolds? This one. Oh yeah. Uh, you know. It's a film that I started watching with my family, and we got. I won't say what happens. Oh, wait, have you seen? I it? I
1: have not seen it.
0: So okay i won't, I won't say what happens Don't but spoil there was a it. moment 15 minutes in where my mom said okay we're not watching this and <laughs> we had to yeah, turn we're... it off which is like very rare like often kind of Call like it a, film, it a day. Like, even if we're not all enjoying it we'll like struggle through as a family but like there was just this moment <laughs> mom's like nah i don't nah. want to see this and <laughs> so we turned it off <laughs> uh, so that's something to look forward to <laughs>
1: Oh, and all of the characters um, have numbers. This is like I feel like this is going to be um oh my god, what was the name of that TV show? I don't know if y'all had it over there in the in the UK. Um there well, oh man, I'm going to get roasted for not remembering the name of this TV show, but it was a cartoon <laughs> um yeah. uh, about like this group of like children who like I think were like spies and all of them had like all of their names were just a number and i feel like this is them having grown up oh i'm going to be yeah. so mad when i look this up after we're done recording was it
0: um oh 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 i'm there okay it is oh, come on man no please <laughs> why is
1: like how do i how do you google is, that like what's the name of this show why,
0: i can tell you exactly it's called it's literally just called Oh, it's called Code Name Kids Next Door. Codename Kids Next Coding Door. Kids
1: Next Door. Oh my god.
0: Yeah, uh, we did have that. We did that have that here. I can't remember exactly what channel. The thing I googled. <laughs> yeah, what did you google to get that? Spy children cartoon all names <laughs> numbers.
1: You know, we laughed, but it worked. So It worked,
0: man. <laughs> yeah, I remember Code Name Kids Next Door. Yeah, it, it's going to be that but, um, but bad. <laughs> but now
1: but now they say the f-word. <laughs> <laughs> so with that we'll catch y'all on the flip side next week with six Underground.
0: yeah we uh we gotta do um social media we are uh, social can, media where where can people find you on online
1: um where awesome. can you find me online with a capital o well you can find me on instagram at harrison who and i'm also on twitter at harrison Gale who and then on letterbox as harrison Gale,
0: uh and i'm on all three of those platforms at caleb lebster c-a-l-e-b-l-e-b-s-t-e-r um and uh you can find us as a collective Ooh. on twitter and instagram at do try this pod
1: follow like subscribe
0: yeah and and give us yeah subscribe and and uh, give us a rating if you would. It helps us be seen by more people. Yeah,
1: personally. tell us what you think.
0: Yeah, yeah. Re- read be a, brutal. write a lot of review. You can do it in app. Um, yeah, um, I want to. the more brutal they are, the, I will read them out on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give us. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, you can be brutal. Just give us five stars, but then write the most brutal. Right, review but you, you can, can say whatever you want I'll, in
1: the written review. Yeah.
0: Order. But but you have to. We gotta us give us five stars. stars. I'll, I'll read them out. <laughs> that's,
1: that's the price you got to pay. That's the entry
0: fee. That's the price. It's the cover. Um, <laughs> bro. Okay. Um. Yeah. We'll catch you all next time for Six Underground. Um. Until then, uh, what do we say?
1: Wait. Did we have a <laughs> sign off?
0: We we did do try this at home.
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. We did do that. Try do try this at home. <laughs> I can't even say it now.
0: That was a Maybe You Like It production. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't.